0: You're listening to the best possible taste with Sharon Noonan, sponsored by the Taste.ie, voted Ireland's best online food and drink magazine.
1: Good evening and thanks for joining me here on this week's Best Possible Taste. I'm Sharon Noonan and on tonight's show it's all about gardens. But I haven't forgotten that this is a food and drink show so the gardens being featured tonight all have a food and drink link. A trip to Bloom by Board Bia in Dublin's Phoenix Park took place last week and when I was there I met designers involved in award-winning gardens including the overall winner which was the BIM Garden. I also spoke to the BIM CEO Jim O'Toole And then afterwards, it was off to the Life is Rosé with Santa Rita, Living La Vida 120 Garden to meet its award winning designer and Caroline Park. We've all that to look forward to on tonight's programme, along with an interview, compliments of Cry FM. Justin Maher on the Y'all Today show had Pat Mulcahy from Ireland's only combined farmed organic venison, wild boar and goat farm on as a guest. And Pat comes from Ballamwillin Farm in Mitchellstown, County Cork, and he is unveiling his new meditation garden this Friday, the 8th of June, as part of the Old Butter Roads celebrations in Mitchellstown. If at any point you'd like to get in touch with me here at the show, you can drop me an email to s.noonan at live.ie or tweet me at Queen of Org, as in Queen of Organisation. So to start the show off tonight, it's my annual visit to Bloom in Phoenix Park. I was there last Wednesday in the blistering but fabulous sunshine before the doors opened to the public and before the judges announced the awards. As chance would have it, all the gardens I visited did extremely well. And it was garden designer Andrew Christopher Dunn from the coastal fishing village of Cloherhead in County Louth that was named as the overall show garden winner for his sustainable Seafood Garden in association with BIM. Let's have a listen to what he told me about the garden, as well as the BIM CEO, Jim O'Toole. Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. Andrew, we're here in the sustainable seafood garden by BIM at Bloom, and I think it's only fitting that the designer, i.e. yourself, comes from the coast. Tell us a bit about yourself and where you're from.
2: Well, my name is Andrew Christopher Dunn. I'm the head designer with Andrew Christopher Garden Designs based in Clotterhead, just north of Drogheda, which is a lovely little coastal fishing village. So when um, Bordish Gwara approached me about, you know, telling the story about how um, seafood has been produced all over Ireland with a very much strong focus on sustainability, I was trying to figure out how on earth could I tell this story in in a garden format? So I did what I often do, and that was um, get out of the office for a little while, cycled down to my local pier in clotterhead and um i ordered a beautiful seafood chowder which they have in the fisherman's catch there on the pier as a lovely fishmongers and i sat down just to clear my head And as I sat there and enjoyed my chowder and tried to figure it out, I realised it was all really there in front of me. Uh, I mean, everybody's interested about where their food comes from. And really, you know, I was trying to figure out what's in my hand, what am i eating here, what's the story behind that chowder. Um, We had organically farmed salmon. We had mussels, all kinds of lovely treats inside it. And in addition to that, I had the scenery of um, Clotterhead itself had has two piers in it as well, it, similar to our own garden here, an old one and a new one. The old pier that you see in the background here, which is all made out of um, reclaimed stone which actually came from a Presbyterian church in Belfast no less Um, and so we've used that to symbolise the ancient tradition of fishing that has been going on for generations in Ireland. Now we, on the the patio that you see here or sorry the the pier that you're sitting on at the moment, the concrete one, that is a much more modern contemporary edge to it and that symbolises how Bordiiskewara have uh, Deve- developed the whole fishing industry with a focus on sustainability into the modern, sort of thriving industry it is today.
1: So, there's lots of reclaimed materials used in the garden, which is very in keeping with the sustainable theme.
2: Yes, there is. I mean, we have our stone, as you see here, we have beautiful cobbles which came off the streets of uh, Dublin. Um, we've even repurposed our, our posts and ropes that you see to cordon off the, the garden, rather than doing something ordinary, we decided, can we do that just a little bit better? So we got some chain, fishing chain, people will see it and we weld them all together to create the lovely posts that you see around the place. The table that you're sitting at here is um, actually made, it's a nine foot long, uh, two. it's about four foot wide table. And it's made out of elm, uh, Irish elm, which is quite rare because all of the elm trees died out um, in Ireland about 30 years ago due to Dutch elm disease. So I suppose it's a little poignant reminder of if we don't look after our natural resources, we could lose them. Um, and just for fun that even the legs of the table we've sourced um, through our our furniture maker industrial works um, this is the legs are actually the old pipework from the Beamish factory in Cork, which is no longer there. So every bit of Irish stout from Beamish that has ever been produced has flowed through the legs of this table here.
1: So you've gone to all corners of Ireland to get materials, like even the boat, which is one of the centrepieces here, comes from different parts of the country.
2: It does, yeah. It's a con- Everybody walks in and sees the boat and go, where did you get the boat? Where did you buy the boat? Um, well, we actually built the boat and we built it just for the show as everything really in here has been custom made for the show. I thought it'd be an easy thing to do, you know. I designed the garden, had this idea, we'll, we'll have a boat and we'll have a chef in it, and we make a kitchen, you just buy a boat, no problem, um, and paint it and put a kitchen in it. So turns out it's not that easy. Um, so what we did is we actually bought elements of three different boats. Um, we bought, the bottom hull of it has come from Donegal via, um, the, via London, it's actually an old River Thames police boat, um, but it was the right length, but it was wrong shape and wrong height so we chopped the top of it off and then we got a wheelhouse from a an old crabbing boat in dundalk Uh, and we brought everything up to monaghan where a team of joiners from monaghan um did an incredible job over three weeks turning it into the, the the boat that you see here today and just for fun to make it a little bit more complicated we have a fully working kitchen inside it with a quartz top induction hob and um Yes, sink, everything, fridge, wine cooler so we're going to have some of the best chefs in Ireland um, demonstrating how to how to prepare and how to cook this amazing bounty of seafood that we have
1: And tell me a bit about the planting and how you decide what you want to plant in, in a garden like this
2: Well the planting here has really been indicative of, of all the coastline of Ireland. I'm kind of hoping that if anybody has spent any time in any region of Ireland around the coasts, that they'll recognize something that's indicative to them. Um, At a glance, the garden looks naturalistic. There's nothing too gaudy. There's nothing screaming out at you. Um, And that's really what the Irish landscape is about. but if you look closely, if you do the work and you get down and study in behind the trees, you'll see an amazing sort of bounty of, of plants, flora and fauna, all throughout the garden.
1: The judges are going to be coming along shortly, and this is your third time at Bloom, so you have a great track record, so you must be very hopeful that you're going to have another accolade to add to the collection well
2: we hope so you know nobody hopes to come second in a race so uh we try as hard as we can and you put everything in it i mean there's so many people involved in producing a garden like this and um, not just me and uh, not just even our contractors but it's our wives and girlfriends who are left you know keeping the families running for you know a month or six weeks they you know they do incredible stuff so it's a huge team effort but we're incredibly proud of the end result
1: and in terms of creating the garden and getting it to where it is here in Bloom, like how long does that take?
2: well we're on site here since the third of may um, and when we get here there's nothing and i mean nothing there's barely a piece of grass and um, it's a muddy dirty site there's no electricity there's no water and now we've created all of that since then but before that and most crucially and this is really my role as a garden designer is there's weeks and weeks of planning it and um, working out every single detail not of how just how the garden looks but how it functions Um, how it will be photographed um, and how, most importantly, how technically it can be built.
1: And whenever it's all over now on Monday, what happens to all the different elements in the garden?
2: Well, the show is going to run all day on Monday. Don't forget that. I'm hoping everybody's going to come and see it in person. But we have a number of different things. We, we have a policy of sustainability, as do Board Iskewara and Board B, who, who run Bloom. Um, so we're not going to waste anything. The boat that you see will be hopefully seen on tour all over Ireland at various different festivals, including SeaFest, which is an amazing maritime festival um, celebrating sea food down in galway at the end of this month but other things such as some of our planting will end up going into community gardens and all around the coastline of ireland
1: well it is a fabulous garden and as i said before it's your third time here so i'm sure you're very hopeful and i think it definitely deserves a medal it's fabulous well done thank you jim what a fabulous garden you have here at bloom you must be delighted
3: absolutely thrilled it's fantastic we're it's our first time sponsoring a garden here at bloom uh, and Uh, We were very impressed by the way uh, Andrew uh, responded to the brief uh, initially uh, but what he has translated from concept to garden is just amazing, we're thrilled.
1: Now this is BIM's first time at Bloom, what made you decide to, to do a garden this year?
3: Well, I was very conscious of the uh, numbers that attend Bloom and uh, I thought it was a great opportunity just to tell our story to a wider uh, cohort of the population about the work that BIM does and the work that uh, the seafood industry in Ireland does. And it's an opportunity just to tell our story in a very engaging way uh, and uh, I, I think it's it's nice to be able to bring to uh, a broad sweep of the population uh, the story of sustainability and the active work that uh, Bodish Gawara and uh, the fishermen and aquaculture producers and seafood processors are involved in.
1: Well, tell us a bit about the seafood industry in Ireland because I think people might be surprised about the major economic contribution that it makes to the country.
3: Yes, indeed. Um, I think sometimes uh, maybe the spotlight doesn't fall on, on the seafood uh, sector in terms of the, the role it plays in supporting the coastal communities. There are 3,000 kilometres of coastline uh, around Ireland, and there's a seafood industry that contributes uh, 1.15 billion euros worth to the economy. Uh, trade in 2017 uh, passed the billion euro mark uh, mark for the first time, uh, and uh, two-thirds of that was accounted for exports. So. Uh, There are people uh, across Europe, in Asia, the US, who are enjoying Irish seafood. Uh, People mightn't realise that uh, over 90% of our smoked salmon is organic. Uh, We have a wild-caught sector around the coastline. Uh, And in addition to that, uh, it supports, between direct and indirect jobs, 14,500 people are employed. And what's, I think, important about that figure is the... Context of where the, the the sector is located. Obviously, it's in coastal communities, and those coastal communities. Sometimes the employment option aren't as plentiful in other parts of the country. So, the economic engine of the coastline is driven by the seafood sector, and that's I think something that uh, we want to uh, draw attention to. But also, uh, we're very conscious of the whole theme of sustainability and the um, proactive way in which the seafood sector is getting involved to and make the sector more sustainable.
1: Well, it's certainly a very eye-catching garden with the boat there in, in the middle of it. Whenever you first saw the design by Andrew, what were your initial thoughts?
3: Well, the, the brief was very much about uh, to, to try and bring the seafood sector alive. And uh, how do you get a boat into a garden uh, might be the first question that people ask. Uh, and the way it's done is, is, is beautiful as well as being very effective. Uh, and uh, a little bit of imagination is, is required. But I think people can uh, engage with it very easily. We have beautiful uh, limestone. We have lovely um, Trees. we have uh, lobster paths, we have sculptures of a shoal of fish uh, with beautiful reflective water uh, and it really brings to life. I think people, it doesn't take people to work their imagination too hard to feel that they're not in the Phoenix Park but on the coast.
1: And unfortunately now the public don't get onto the gardens to explore them in detail. I've been lucky enough to, to have a good look around it and the attention to detail is just unbelievable. Even the, the ladder going up, like you can imagine climbing up it to go onto a dock. Okay.
3: <laughs> Exactly, well I, I think um, it, when I said earlier that uh, how do you get a, a fishing boat into the Phoenix Park, but wh- when you get a, a pier and a, and a pier wall uh, as well, uh, people might uh, look with you with, with, with a little bit of a raised eyebrow. Uh, and then as well as that, we've we've converted our, our fishing boat uh, into a, a little demonstration area, so we're showcasing uh, the wonderful seafood that's uh, produced and caught around the, the, the country and we have uh, a lovely uh, table set up so people can imagine uh, enjoying seafood in their own gardens I think that's one of the wonderful things about uh, Bloom is that you uh, turn a blind eye to the imperfections of your own garden and you imagine what you really wanted to do and uh, for us I think the idea of people uh, enjoying summer sunshine, enjoying fantastic seafood uh, and is, is very attractive um, all the seafood that we're displaying of course is, is um, from the producers that we work with and uh, also there are various different elements of of the garden uh, where uh, the theme of sustainability is really brought to life uh, the, the, the fishing boat Andrew may have told you is uh, upcycled from a number of different boats uh, we have uh, pipe work from the old beamish brewery in Cork that uh, provides the legs of the table but it looks very finished and sophisticated and uh, everything that that we uh, have used we have uh, ropes around the garden but that they're all old fish old fishing ropes Uh, so we various different elements that people feel that they are uh, transplanted to use a a pun uh, onto the
1: coast and there's definitely elements of all corners of Ireland in the garden in terms of sourcing the different materials from Donegal or from Belfast.
3: absolutely uh, there, there is um, andrew himself of course is is, is a native uh, of of flower head which has a, a, a very uh, thriving port and fishing sector there and I think his appreciation and understanding uh, of that is reflected and as you say there are elements from right around the coast uh, that that are included in the garden so it is truly representative of the Irish seafood sector.
1: And you mentioned the demonstrations there and another initiative that BIM is involved in is the Young Fishmonger of the Year so you're going to have some of, of those competitors and winners of the boat.
3: We have indeed we have uh, two two previous winners uh, and they're. Uh, Again, uh, it's something that that, uh, we work with the sector in terms of of developing skills uh, from fishmongery right all the way back to people who are, are out in fishing vessels. So it's great, again, to be able to shine the light on them and have them engage in the garden and engage with the uh, tens of thousands uh, of, of visitors that are going to come through here over the weekend
1: and I think the weather is always a major factor at events and if we get a bit of nice weather it always adds to it and I think it, it only is complementing your garden and showing it to its very best with the, with the sparkle off the water and the the fish sculptures that are there
3: well it's 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 true that uh, the 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 garden is looking magnificent and uh, we're basking in, in fantastic sunshine here as we're as we're speaking but the odd cloud has passed by and what's really interesting is to see how the garden changes shape and how the light interacts with all the features and it's very good. I suppose the only thing you'd have to say about it is that it probably isn't representative of the type of weather that the seafood sector has to tackle with in, in, in how they do their, their work but um, we, I think we'll take a little bit of poetic license on that one.
1: If you had to identify one element of the garden that you really love that is your favourite part of it, which part would it be?
3: That's a really impossible question to to, to answer, um, because I, I, I think uh, it is um, the sum of the parts and and there has that little extra that uh, they all come together. And as I said at the at, at, the, at the outset, when we saw the concept uh, you know on paper,, um, I didn't quite believe that the translation would be as magical as it is. And I use that word uh, not in a sense of exaggeration. I really think it's, it's true.
1: Well, come Monday evening, I can see a few of you sitting alongside it there with the, the shoes and socks off and dipping the feet into the water after a very busy show. So enjoy it. And thanks a million for showing me around it today. You're very
3: welcome. My pleasure. Thank you.
0: You're listening to the best possible taste with Sharon Noonan, sponsored by the taste.ie, voted Ireland's best online food and drink magazine.
1: You're very welcome back to the Best Possible Taste. I'm Sharon Noonan and just before the break I was talking to Andrew Christopher Dunn, overall show garden winner for his sustainable seafood garden in association with BIM and BIM CEO Jim O'Toole during a visit to Bloom last week and I must say that garden was absolutely stunning. If you're just tuning in now and you missed that, you can catch up on Best Possible Taste on West Limerick 102 FM when it's repeated on Wednesday mornings at 8am. And the podcasts are available to listen to on SharonNoonan.com as well as iTunes and the podcast app. And it's also on the taste.ie website. voted Ireland's best online digital food and drink magazine. Still to come tonight, we have an interview, compliments of Cry FM. Justin Maher on the Y'all Today show recently had Pat Mulcahy from Ireland's only combined farmed organic venison, wild boar and goat farm on as a guest. And Pat comes from the Ballam Willan Farm in Mitchellstown, County Cork, and he'll be unveiling his new meditation garden there this Friday the 8th of June as part of the old Butter Roads celebrations in Mitchellstown. Next, though, we return to Bloom to visit the Life is Rosé with Santa Rita Living La Vida 120 Garden to meet its award-winning designer, Alan Rodden, and PR and events manager, Caroline Park. Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. Alan, thanks so much for having me here on the Santa Rita Garden. You were a very lucky boy now to design this garden because you got to visit Chile.
4: Yeah, it was an amazing experience. Um, In 2016, we did a garden with Santa Rita and I was lucky enough to uh, travel over to Santiago and visit the Casa Real, which is their home um, where their vineyards are located. And um, I could draw a lot of inspiration from, from that trip, which I've used in this garden.
1: Well, let's talk about the different elements of it, because you have the water feature, you have the stone, you obviously have the planting. Well, we start with the, the water feature. Tell us a bit about it.
4: Yeah, there's, there's two pools in the garden. There's a trough that falls into a water rill that kind of cuts through the garden. And the idea behind the, the rail really is it represents um, storm drains that you'd find in, in Chile and, and and South America. As there's heavy storms, the water will run into these drains and generally they, they harvest this water and reuse it on their crops. And we kind of wanted to make um, a contemporary um, representation of this which we which which we did.
1: And then the planting is obviously very much in keeping with what you would see in South America but there's also a great Mediterranean feel to it.
4: Yeah, there's two main areas of planting we used. A very desert arid style of planting mixed with a um flowing Mediterranean style. But we wanted to use plants that would give the feel that you're maybe in a Mediterranean country or a South American country but at the same time we used um, varieties that would grow in Ireland because we want the public to relate to the garden. It's really important for us that they can see a certain plant and be able to take it home with them. For instance in our Mediterranean um, block of planting we've used a lot of salvias, um, roses, tulbagia and in the arid planting we use certain varieties of agaves and yuccas that are perfectly fine to grow in coastal areas in Ireland.
1: Because today the weather conditions are perfect for this sort of garden and the plants that you have here so people might be surprised that most of them would survive quite happily in a garden in Ireland.
4: Yeah definitely we're extremely lucky with the weather um, this particular garden I think looks that extra bit special when it's sunny because um, in the rain it just and dark cloud, it just w- w- wouldn't be as vibrant.
1: And the stonework then, you have the gabion baskets. Just explain what a gabion basket is to somebody that might not have come across that before.
4: Essentially, it's, it's a very heavy, um, let's say a chicken wire frame. And we'd, we'd get dry stone. We actually use stone masons to build the dry stone inside these gabion baskets. And they're, they're great because they're really strong. Um, They're very cost effective and fast to uh, create and they're also brilliant for wildlife.
1: Yes, because they like to nest in there and it's something I would have come across in a previous job where we would have used them for retaining walls.
4: Yeah, exactly. It's another spin on on the Bug Hotel really, you know, but it it looks fantastic and works really well for for this, this style of garden.
1: And I suppose you could throw cushions and things up in those and use them as additional seating. But you do have a lovely patio area with very nice seating in the in the centre of the garden.
4: Yeah, well, we we that was that was a main part of our brief. We wanted to create um, a nice secluded al fresco area where people can just relax and enjoy their wine. So we have a central area in the middle. And again, going back to the walls, it's kind of enclosed with different levels of walls and different types of material to kind of give more depth and mystery to the garden.
1: And you have a very dramatic color on some of the walls, which you you were inspired to use from your, your trip to Chile.
4: Yeah, this was one of the first elements I had in mind um, before starting the design process. It's it's a kind of a mustardy, kind of burnt yellow and I had seen that on numerous houses in a particular town called Valparaiso which is about 45 minutes to an hour south of Santiago and it's a, it's just a very striking colour and it's a colour you don't see too often in garden or garden designs in Ireland.
1: What has the feedback been from the the people that have been round the garden today? Has it been very positive?
4: Yeah, definitely. Look, this kind of garden on a day like this um, puts a smile on people's faces, and um, we're getting we're getting very good feedback.
1: And you're going to take the garden on to another show whenever it's finished here at Blooms?
4: Yeah, look, we're we're tired, but we're extremely excited. Um, We'll be pretty much uh, dismantling this garden as carefully as we can, and loading it onto a number of 40-foot trucks, and heading across the water to uh, Hampton Court uh, flower show in four weeks' time.
1: And this space that we're in at the moment, can you use it as as a mode of um, transport and um, to store some of the items that are in it because it is a storage container?
4: Yeah, this is this is the the shade element of the garden. It's it's a shipping container that's been modified, um, and we will we will use this for for, for moving um, furniture and more delicate items
1: and the the mural on the wall here the picture is that from chile yeah
4: the, the mural inside the container is actually the casa real which is um santa rita's uh, home and there is a bougainvillea you can see in the mural and it's actually the largest bougainvillea in south america
1: wow it's very dramatic isn't it
4: oh it's fantastic absolutely gorgeous color
1: well, before we finish up now, I have to ask you about your own background. You're from Dublin, but whenever you were small, your grandfather was a great inspiration to you. You used to go out planting and digging with him, I believe.
4: Yeah, well, I suppose my roots would be in agriculture. Nearly. I'm from Castleknock in Dublin, but my parents um, are from Cavan, and my grandfather obviously lived in Cavan. I would have spent most of my summers down there. I would have been shipped down there for the two months during the summer and um, growing a lot of stuff and um, farming and yeah just just loved it so that's that's where my my green fingers came from
1: and where the passion came from and it's great to see it translated into such a beautiful garden so best of luck with the judging today we look forward to hearing how you get on
4: thanks very much i can't wait
1: Caroline, this is the fourth year that Santa Rita has had a garden at
5: blooms, so you must really value it as an event. Absolutely. We are delighted to be here for the fourth year at Ireland's best loved um, gardening and family show. Uh, it seems appropriate to, to show the best selling wine brand in Ireland at such a show. Tell me a bit about the name now, the, the Santa Rita name, where is it from, and the bit of it the, there's a lot of history there associated with it. Indeed. So the, the best selling brand is actually Santa Rita 120. That's the 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 wine that most people will see on the shelves. The story behind that is that Bernardo O'Higgins, who hailed from Ireland um, and then grew up in Chile, led uh, 120 patriots in the um, Chile's War for Independence. And on his way back from the Battle of Rancagua, he sheltered in the Santa Rita um, cellars and that 120 wine is named in honor of those 120 patriots. So there's lots of Santa Rita 120 wines, but they're made with different grapes. That's correct, so, so Santa Rita 120 is the brand, Um, and then we have a number of different grape varieties. Our best-selling white varieties are Sauvignon Blanc and Chardonnay and our best-selling reds are Cabernet Sauvignon and Merlot. Um, And at this show we're actually launching a new Sauvignon Blanc which is an early harvest Sauvignon Blanc and it's the first wine from the 2018 vintage which was literally harvested in Chile in February and uh, shipped over to us. It arrived in Dublin last week, so we've, we're showcasing that new wine for the market um, at this show. And there's a very
1: specific feature to the bottle. There, you're talking about Bernardo. There, tell us about this little design
5: that's on on the bottles, actually embossed onto the glass. <laughs> So we have the wine in a Bordeaux shaped bottle which is quite a tall, thin bottle and embossed on the bottle there is a rearing horse with a soldier and his sword um, and that represents Bernardo O'Higgins going into the Battle of Rancagua um, and that's where that comes from. So you will see on every bottle that you purchase a little embossed horse uh, horse and rider and sword. And it is a limited release? It is. Yes, so we've, we've, from, fresh from the 2018 vintage, we haven't got loads of it. Um, it's going to be sold in Super Value exclusively launching on the 14th of June. So people should definitely keep an eye out for that. Absolutely. And then you have a lovely rosé and
1: you were saying to me earlier that you really feel people need to, to take a leap of faith if they're not rosé
5: drinkers at the moment and give this rosé a try. Absolutely, now rosé has taken off in the UK massively men, women, not children obviously, over 18s only, um, are loving the rosé and it's had a bit of a slow start in ireland so what we've done is we've brought out a santa rita rosé which is a very pale pink salmon in color it's in a uh, burgundy bottle it's made with um, majority cabernet sauvignon with a little bit of syrup so it's quite grown-up grape varieties it's really good for men to drink too we've got plenty of men drinking cabernet sauvignon so why not give the cabernet sauvignon rosé a go now we usually have a guy (coughs) excuse me we usually have a guy con- called Ron Forrestal. He does the wine
1: slot here in the show. And whenever he brings wines in for us, I always comment then if they're a cork or a screw top. And these are both screw top bottles.
5: Yes, we do do um, corks in some markets. But in actual fact, we find that you get a perfect pour with a a screw cap you're unlikely well you can't because there's no cork in it to get a corked wine lots of people don't really understand what corked wine is but basically it's a weevil which affects the cork tree which then when the cork is put into the bottle taints the taste of of the wine putting a screw cap on a bottle completely eliminates that issue so you're never going to get a corked bottle of wine Right, so that and it also means that if you don't finish the whole
1: bottle, which I know may be a rarity in a number of cases, it certainly is in my house, um, that you you know, you can it stores better then.
5: Absolutely, we would always encourage people to drink responsibly um, but if you can't manage to finish the whole bottle just pop the screw cap back on and save it for tomorrow. So as we said there this is your fourth time at Bloom taking a garden here, you've had great success in the past with metals. Indeed, um, in 2016 Alan Ruddon who has designed our garden for us this year too, um, he came out to Chile with us and had uh, took inspiration. Um, his garden for us that year won a gold and best in show. So we've got fairly high hopes for our Life Is Rose with Santa Rita Living La Vida One Hundred and Twenty Garden this year. You're
1: going for the hat trick.
5: Fingers crossed, but nothing's ever definite.
1: Well, we look forward to finding out later how you get on. And thanks so much for talking to me today. Thank you very much.
0: You're listening to the Best Possible Taste with Sharon Noonan, sponsored by the Taste.ie, voted Ireland's best online food and drink magazine.
1: Welcome back to the best possible taste. I'm Sharon Noonan and just before the break, we were at Bloom talking to award winning designer Alan Rodden and Caroline Park at the Life is Rosé with Santa Rita Living La Vida 120 Garden. And earlier in the programme, we heard from Andrew Christopher Dunn, overall show garden winner for his sustainable Seafood Garden in association with BIM and BIM CEO Jim O'Toole. If you are just tuning in now and you missed that, you can catch up on Best Possible Taste on West Limerick 102 FM when it's repeated on Wednesday mornings at 8am. And the podcasts are available to listen to on SharonNoonan.com as well as iTunes and the podcast app. And it's also on the taste.ie website. Voted Ireland's best online digital food and drink magazine. Now, our final interview this evening is compliments of Cry FM. You've heard me giving a shout out to some events taking place this weekend in Ballinwillen, Mitchellstown, County Cork, to celebrate the old Butter Roads. Well, owner Pat Mulcahy was a guest on Cry FM recently with Justin Maher on the Y'all Today show. And they very kindly sent me the interview for us to find out more about Ballinwillen House and Farm.
3: Bon appétit. Yummy.
1: Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm.
6: Uh, It's a beautiful time of year. The sun is coming out. And uh, at this time of year, we might like to... Spend some time in the garden. Gardens are a fantastic place uh, to enjoy nature's beauty uh, and, and to rest and reflect. And one man uh, has, has taken this uh, a little bit further. Pat Mulcahy of Ballinwood House and Farm in Mitchellstown has decided to create a holistic garden devoted to mindfulness, uh, which will be unveiled next month as part of the Old Butter Roads programme of events. Pat joins me on the line now. Pat, good afternoon to you.
7: Good afternoon.
6: Uh, Pat, what made you decide to build this garden?
7: Well, for years I've been meditating and taking time out every day to just to set your own head straight, you know, after how day's work and life and all that. And sometimes we do run a bed and breakfast here as well and we would talk to people in the morning, we do breakfast with them. And we started talking to people about all this and then a couple of years ago we did a thinking path right around the house in, in a woodland area and now we have branched out into... Uh, in the shape of a shamrock, three different areas: a garden for mindfulness, and for, one for meditation, and one for forgiveness. The idea is people walk around, they take in the, you know, the the, the flora, the fauna, the birds singing, and then they go into one area, of the garden, to wind down completely, and then another area, and then another area, and the seating, and uh, bird baths, and all different types of little messages in the trees and all that, so that uh, it sets people people that are stressed, in particular it's just to try and ease them down, they stay in the bed and breakfast and
6: to come to visit us and that kind of thing. Uh, to, i mean, you—I uh, don't want to, um, you know, uh, sound like cliche, but you've put an awful lot of thought into this. This clearly has had a, a profound effect on you. Um, you know, the meditation, Pat. Uh,
7: All through my life, from a child, even. Yes.
6: How does it help you?
7: You know, um, farmers in particular, and business people, when they're—you know—at the end of the day, you know yourself. If you drive home you're stuck in traffic, you've had a busy day. And your head is, you know, you don't know where to turn, and you know, you, you, the phones are ringing because this is a new era of, you know, phone phobia and all that kind of thing. People get no peace. So, like when I finish up in the evening, it could be like last night, just about nine thirty when I came in from the, from the farm, and I went out and I sat down for a while, and I maybe about an hour sat there, saying a few prayers, and you just come back in and you just a totally different person, really, totally relaxed and. It was more pleasant to be with than if you weren't doing it, if you understand me.
6: No, I do. I, I've actually uh, recently uh, interviewed someone from the Samaritans so we're talking about, you know, the fodder crisis and the winter that farmers have experienced uh, this year.
7: It's been a traumatic win- you know, experience, particularly for farmers and anybody who's collected with farming. Like, And you see, our winters are progressively getting wetter and worse and... Uh, it, it's very serious and I know enough of farmers who won't be farming next year. Right? a lot of people small farmers, medium sized farmers, big farmers were saying, I'm not doing this anymore. It's not too stressful for me, for my wife, my kids and I have no life. So like it, it's very important that people take people should take a little bit of time in the morning to sit themselves still for the day and then at the end of the day take another little bit of time to sit them still for the night, switch off phones, you know, relax into the night, get a good night's sleep. Each, we have an organic farm here so it's very important that people eat quality food for their breakfast and uh, it's a cycle and it's a circle and it's all combined if you know what I mean
6: I was just uh, just to go back on the farm the you know the farmers you spoken to who are kind of giving up you know what what is the can you describe like the pressures and strains that farmers are under that affects their mental it, health it, such I, like?
7: I'll give you an instance we'll say storm Othelia uh, hit here on a weekend you know it's a raging storm we have an organic farm most of the animals were outside trees fell we lost 47 animals that day we were having a party here from my father-in-law who was 99 there was a lot of people gathered we had to leave the the carnage in the fields come in and if you know what I mean kind of wind down and put on a face for a couple of hours and go back out to the turmoil the roof blew off the B&B the roof blew off the pig shed you know when you get stuff like that hitting you on a farm and many farmers are hit by this it's very really hard to recover from that, only that you, you people would help, people rally around. Then the week later, we storm Ryan. We were just, you know, it was like being punched in a boxing ring. You were just recovering, and then you were hit again. Situations like that, an awful lot of people could not withstand that stress, both financially and physically. And I suppose only the support that I've learned from a child and support. You know, it's all about supporting people around you. If you have good people around you, good people in the family. Good people in the working team and good neighbours—all these areas are great soothing factors as well. And that's what we're trying to say to people: is to, uh, you know, appreciate what's around you, appreciate the people that around you, appreciate the countryside, like the beauty at the moment. We'll really, the birds singing. The, like there's a, a couple of rowan trees out here in front of the house, and it's nearly intoxicating the perfume from them. Like these are the things that everybody should be absorbing when, when you know various times of the year. It's a beautiful country, so soak it up. That's what I'd be saying to people.
6: You see it's remarkable because what you've just described to me, you know how you face those two storms, you know the issues that would break a person that could easily break a person like how do you overcome that? How does meditation help you does it does it kind of let you put it to one side? does it get you to zoom out? How does it affect you when you are approaching these challenging times
7: But well, what I have learned is techniques and I've put in place techniques will say. I would never, uh, when I'm walking people around the thinking path, I would say to them, you know, just listen to the birds now. Listen to the, the noises that are going on. Look at the sunlight lading through the trees there. Pick up these nice things. Always think about nice things, nice people, before you start out in your in your thinking path, into uh, the mindfulness section. Be mindful of all the good things in your life. And then the things that are bothering you, take them into the meditation area, And focus in on them. And, you know, I have various methods then of putting them away, filing them, that I teach people. And then, you know, some problems will never go away, if you understand me. Like any personal problems. Some people have problems that will never go away. But what you do is you take them back out of their safe, their area for a day, do a little bit of meditating and then pray with them and all that kind of thing. Put them back in again. Move on to the next one. But every so often the mind is the most unruly and restless part of the body so you must manage it and you must train it and you must discipline it and if you, you know it takes time to do that but if you can do that you'll take an awful lot of stress out of your life
6: that's remarkable It's and you can't get away from your mind either it's on all the time
7: that's it you see if you break your hand or you break your leg or you break your toe or whatever you go to the hospital that's step one it's in the place of Paris, step two six weeks later it's fixed in general it's fixed after, you know, after a while but your mind will every second, every 30 seconds, every five minutes will start flicking back to troubled areas and you must flick it back out again. And you must learn the skills to to do that. And uh, be, being at peace and being rested is a huge factor in that. And that's very, very important what we try and emphasize to people is no matter what you're hit with, you know, don't be thinking about tomorrow because that'll have enough troubles of its own. Focus on the day, on the now and in the five minutes that you're with somebody nice that you have present experience and just absorb that and retain it because as we all well know special moments only come along very special times and very infrequently so it's about it, awareness it's very important to be aware of where you are and like everybody has good people around them everybody has nice gardens that they can visit or they have and what I'm trying to do with people is when they come here they take it away in their head the, 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 the thinking path they take away the three gardens in their head and even if they're in a flat in a high rise apartment block they can still have that garden in their head and they can come here as often as they like to put that garden in their head mentally and they can you know use that then whenever they feel stressed so that's what we're trying to to do with people
6: uh just on the gardens you, you know you you, you mentioned you had three gardens and and one you mentioned was the the garden of forgiveness what's the idea behind the garden of forgiveness
7: i have discussed this with an awful lot of people particularly in the west of ireland some meditative friends of mine and um, everybody is saying that there's a huge, huge want in people to forgive themselves for what they've done or to get forgiveness from other people for what they've done and to forgive other people what they've done to them. And seemingly this is a huge, huge problem and a lot of other people that they don't even realize. And, you know, when you go into the different gardens and you walk out and you walk into the forgiveness area and you deposit something there that's bothering you or whatever, you you know just almost like going to confession in the old ways you feel you feel you have achieved something and you feel that you're moving on because harboring grudges harboring bad feelings all that type of thing that is you know that's a cancer in itself so this is what we're trying to do with the forgiveness area
6: it's like letting go
7: yes letting go
6: yeah um so what, what is the plan i mean you're going to open at the uh as part of the old butter roads um what, what, when will people actually be get uh, able to visit it? When will it be open to the public?
7: Well, it will be open to the public from the the 9th of June onwards. And uh, that will be by appointment, obviously, because it's a working farm as well. And uh, what we will be doing, we will be running courses as well on a, on a weekly and a monthly basis that people will book in for, we'll say, so that they can spend a um, Friday Saturday Sunday or Saturday or Sunday or a Monday the bank holiday the weekends and during that period of time we'll have uh, uh, we'll say the organic food we'll have we we'll have renowned speakers we'll say from all over the world coming to talk to people about uh, expanding all this out and to be you know it's a, it's going to be a retreat
6: yeah it's a it's a space you can just you can get away from the world I mean it, it, it seems to me it, it is part of this uh, meditation and all of that and and i I don't mean this in a in a derogatory way, but is 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 part of this uh, kind of getting away from yourself, getting away from your own hang ups, getting away from from the chatter in your head
7: yeah, no matter like we i think we had uh, we people this morning you know on the bed and breakfast, we had some from Pakistan, we had some from India. We had Germans, we had Americans, we had English and Irish, different, all little, and they all sat speaking to you about their life, because we would probe that, and what do you do, you know, and what do you do, and, you know, what's the population, and, you know, what are the food trends there, and you get people, and sometimes breakfast go on for two or three hours, you know, especially with tourists. And, you know, within, within a short period of time, you know, you really get to know a person, and people can feel the peace here and people can feel people if you understand me you know you, you know people make people and people buy people if you understand that phrase like if they find that they're getting nice food friendly atmosphere that's what the Irish hospitality experience is and people open up and they start talking to you and you know about the food and then the gardens and just already a huge area conversation and people will tell you like one man this morning he spends about two hours and 20 minutes and a good morning getting into London, back out again in the evening. And by the time he gets home, he's wrecked. And, they, you know, all these kind of people are very interested in what we're doing here.
6: Well, listen, Pat, I, I wish you every success with it. And uh, thank you so much for taking the time to talk about it. And, and also your, your own experiences, because, I mean, it, it's clear that it, it, it's helped you through a very difficult time.
7: Absolutely, absolutely. Thanks so much for
6: taking the time to talk to me and uh, have a great day.
7: Thank you, thank you, you too. Bye bye. Bon appetit. Yummy. Grubs up.
1: Delicious. Mmm. And that was Pat Mulcahy from Ballin Will and who appeared on Cry.fm recently with Justin Maher. And he mentioned the Old Butter Roads taking place this weekend. Award-winning chef Brian McCarthy from Greens Restaurant and Cask is taking up residence in the woolen kitchen on Friday. And uh, he'll be hosting a Bao Bun supper with a wine tasting of Shadow Mulcahy Wine in the wine cellar. And then on Saturday, the 9th of June, food writer Eva Michael-Wayne will host a workshop focusing on her book Slow at Work, How to Work glass, achieve more and regain your balance in an always-on world. And Eva will interview Pat Mulcahy, owner of Ballon House and Farm, which produces organic farmed venison and wild boar and there will be a long table supper that evening. So lots to look forward to there, including the matching wines from Chateau Mulcahy in Hungary. Visit the Ballon Willen House Facebook page for all the details or Ballinwillenhouse.com. And that brings us to the end of tonight's programme. Thanks again to everyone who spoke to me at Bloom, Jim O'Toole, Andrew Christopher Dunn, Alan Rodden, and Caroline Park. And thanks to Cry FM, Justin Maher, for the interview with Pat Mulcahy. Thanks also to you for listening and don't forget to get in touch with your food and drink news, recipes and events. Email me on s.nunan at live.ie. Until next time, bon appétit.
0: Thanks for listening to The Best Possible Taste with Sharon Noonan. Sponsored by thetaste.ie, voted Ireland's best online food and drink magazine. To get in touch with The Best Possible Taste, email Sharon at SharonNoonan.com or tweet Sharon at QueenOfOrg, as in Queen of Organisation. Bon Appetit.